You know, there's, there are these things, these, these moments, that when, when we know something is about to happen, and, and there's, there's something big. You, you, you've had times when there's been something big that you plan to do something big. You want to do it. You intend to do it. Uh, it's re- time to do it. And all of a sudden, you find it difficult to do. It's just like, what do I do? And the thing is, you know everything about it, but, but it's hard. Well, this Revelation 8 here... This seems to be that moment. It appears to be that moment in God's plan. And, and it's a moment where there's this pause. There's this, we find this tense moment of silence uh, before anything is done. And, and then we're going, uh, so we're going to look at that, that tense moment, and then and what the seventh seal means. Why is it that the seventh seal is so momentous that everything stops? And I'd like to point out, I, I never realized this until Canute pointed it out to me last week, is that chapter 7, they stilled everything and there was a hush. But chapter 8 says, uh, when the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about a half hour. He says, there's a hush followed by a hush. I'm going, wow, how can I not know this? <laughs> you know, it's, it's just, so, but but it's, 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 it's significant. And there's two pauses in a row. Chapter 7 started with this silencing of everything, right? Chapter 7, verses 1 through 3. Let me read that again. After this, I saw four angels standing at the corners, four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth, so that no wind may blow on earth or sea or against any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun with the seal of the living God, and he called with a loud voice to the four angels who had given power to harm the earth and the, and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And everything is called to silence while this action is going to happen. But then chapter 8, when the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. And we find another silence, two silencings in a row, two hushes. And I never noticed that. The quiet in seven, the, the two quiets are different. The two hushes are different. And, and we're going to look at this. You know, There's something pivotal, pivotal about what the, the seventh seal that just stops everything. And it's different from the hushing that we found in chapter 7. Seven, the quiet was to demonstrate some good things God was about to do. Uh, he marked off the 144,000. Uh, he had redeemed this great multitude from every tribe, nation, tongue, and people, uh, and language. And, and as, 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 it's kind of interesting as you watch chapter 7, the quiet dissolves. Or the quiet, quiet is taken over by, by, by the sound of praise. Verses 10 through 12. Uh, and and uh, crying with a loud voice, salvation, salvation begins. Sorry, the, the multitude is crying out. With a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever. Amen. Uh, Amen. And, and we, find, we find there was a hush, but it was dissolved into this praise. That, or it was uh, if, uh, not absorbed. <laughs> That's the word I want. The, the praise just took in that silence and, and overwhelmed it, and, and the silence was gone. And we didn't realize that. Uh, chapter 8 is a very different kind of silence. It, it, it's a very different thing. It's the difference between being quiet so you can see what's going on like, like, like uh, you know, we're making a lot of noise and we're doing a lot of things. And someone says, excuse me, I have something important to say. And, and, uh, and you know how that is around here. 
It doesn't happen immediately. <laughs> and, and, and so everybody, everybody, and, and it quiets down a little more, and they say, who can do the whistle? Because I can't, you know that whistle <laughs> that I can't do? And someone goes, whoop, and everybody stops and looks. That's what the first hush is like. It's like, hey, can I get everybody's attention here? Stop talking. And it took a while, and you get quiet. But this is a different kind of hush. This is Big Jim walks in the room, right? How many of you know what I'm talking about, Big Jim? You know, nobody. No, anybody here alive in the 70s? Oh, you can't get, oh, yeah, anyway. I, I'm, trying, I'm trying to get the song in my head now. A hush fell over the pool room when Jimmy came walking in off the street. Okay, <laughs> anyway, for, for those of you who don't know it, never mind. <laughs> Old man illustration. <laughs> you know, the, and, and everybody just kind of goes, <gasps> you know, what's going to happen now? That's what this second hush is. This second hush is an, oh, no what's going to happen kind of hush, right? And, and, and uh, you think about that, uh, the, the, the hushes, you know, the thing about two hushes is they both sound the same. Silence sounds like silence, right? But they feel different. And, and you know what I'm saying. You can feel, it can be quiet and you go, ah. Or it can be quiet and you go, ah. Like moms when you don't hear your child, right? And from second you go, Ah, and then you wait, oh no, <laughs> <You know? laughs> he's quiet, something's wrong. Uh, th- what had to be silenced in heaven for it to be silent up there, right? So, so, so if we pay attention uh, to the seals and, and, and the, you know, the sev- silence in chapter 7, uh, what was going on on earth, we had war, we had famine, we had disasters, we had death, and, and just think of the sound and the tumult and the, the word that comes to mind is cacophony, you know, just a... a, a Chaos of noises clashing and loud. And the first hush is silencing those things. That's what was silenced with the first hush in chapter 7. But in chapter 8, the sounds that we hear in heaven are what? Well, in chapter 4, we had praises of the four living creatures and the elders. In chapter 5, it grew as the, the angels and the multitudes were added to it. In chapter uh, 6, I mean, chapter 4, chapter 5, it grew. In chapter 7, it grew as the martyrs were added to that. And, and you have this growing praise of God. And it is this praise of God that is suddenly silenced when, when he opens the seventh seal. This praise of God is going on. The multitudes, everybody's gathered around the throne. And suddenly there is silence. And heaven is where Josh hears the hush. And this praise is silenced. And everybody, all of heaven is looking and goes, you you know what I'm saying? It's it's an ominous moment. This is what you call a pregnant pause. It's not just a silence. Wow, isn't it nice? It's quiet. It's silent. Oh no, what's going to happen? This silence is going to result in something, and, and, and it's, it's, there's an anticipation with it, and, and that is what's going on. This is a pause that is going to result in something, and everybody either wants to see what it is or doesn't want to see what it is, because it's going to be significant. You, you know what it's like, you've, you've wanted to do something, there's something you wanted to do and planned to do, but when it came time to do it, you found it hard to do. Okay, homeowners, at one point, in your life, and some of you may say, well, yeah, this is my fifth home, big deal, but this first mortgage you ever signed, you wanted to buy a home, you went shopping for a home, you paid somebody, really, to find you that right home, you ever, you, you, you've been wanting this, you've been praying for it, you've been seeking it for, for maybe years, you finally get there, and you're at this table with this person who says, sign here, 
and you hold the pen in your hand, and it's hard to sign. Why is it hard to sign? You wanted to do this. You worked to do this. You, you laid aside money to do this. You paid people to do this, and now it's hard to do. Why? Because it's significant. You're committing yourself for 30 years, right? It's a big deal, okay? Homeowners, you've done that. You know what I'm talking about. Okay, married men. Once upon a time, you saw this girl. You liked this girl. She was pretty. She made your eye twinkle, right? You liked her so much, you pursued her, right? You, you pursued this girl. You wanted to marry her. You decided you were going to ask her to marry her. Do you know why it's called pop the question? <laughs> Take a balloon. <laughs> Tie it up. Take a needle. There's no going back. <laughs> you can't unpop the question. <laughs> the words have come out of your mouth. <laughs> and you are, you, and it's scary. It's, as much as you want to do it, you want this girl, you want to be married, you want to spend the rest of your life, but once you say those questions, you can't undo it. And it's done, and it's, it's scary. And it's something that you wanted to do. Let's make it much more difficult. You are the executioner. And there's a person whose life you're going to end. You know you're going to end it. You, you've got the job, you push the button or pull the lever or pull the trigger, whatever it is that you do. And you know it's your job. You know you're supposed to do it. It's somebody else's decision, but the decision comes down, and it's finally time. Now, the thing is, is you've been trained for this, you've been programmed, and, and if you don't think about it, you can just do it. What happens when you think about it? Let's make it worse. You've got this job that places you in this underground bunker. And the order comes to push the button that launches the nuclear missiles. It's going to end life as we know it. I mean, not may not end all life on planet Earth, but it's going to end life as we know it. It's going to change the world forever. And the order comes through. And you've been trained, and you know that all you're supposed to do is ignore your thoughts, stifle them down, put them down, and, and, and just push the button. But you make a mistake and think about it for a second. And just thinking about it for that second and then you're thinking about it for another second and another second. And it's hard to do. And, and, and this thing that, that, that you know you're supposed to do, it's hard to do. Okay? In heaven, the seventh seal has just been opened. And there is a half hour of silence. I haven't even read this. Let me read this. Revelation, sorry, chapter 8. Chapter 8, just verse 1. When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Then I saw the seven angels who stood before God, and the seven trumpets were given to them, and another came, angel came, and we'll go on and look at that later. But there's this half hour of silence before he sees what happens next. Right? For about a half an hour. This is, this is a terrible thing to do. It is a necessary thing to do. It's like pulling the trigger. And pulling the trigger can be really, really hard. 
can be really hard. What, so, so, so that's the silence. What is going on here? What is it about this seventh seal that makes it so difficult? Well, it is, it is, it is pivotal. The seventh seal is pivotal. If, you know, I, I've done Revelation many times. And, and typically, I'll lay out and I go, here's the seven seals, here's the seven uh, trumpets, and here's the seven bowls of wrath. And in between are seven thunders, but we don't know what they are because they're sealed. And, and those are the sevens that we have. We focus on the three that we have, three sets of seven. Think about that for a second. Uh, if you want two different symbolic numbers, it's not an accident. Um, uh, it, it's a sign of completion and God's working in it. Uh, it but I've studied seven, the, the Revelation many times. I've presented it many times. And and, and I'll, I'll usually talk about it that way. There's the seven seals, and they're smaller. And then there's the seven trumpets, and they're bigger. And then there's the seven bowls, and they're the biggest. But the thing is, is that the seven trumpets that we're going to find later on and the seven bowls of wrath after that are the seventh seal. They are the seventh seal being played out or, or being fulfilled. The seventh seal is big enough and ominous enough that it, it, it contains all of these things. And they are the fulfilling of the seventh seal. The seventh seal is where we turn the, the corner into judgment. Everything up to this point has been bad, but it's not been the judgment point. Many people take and say, at this point, people won't be saved anymore. Uh, and, and they may be right. I can understand the argument. Because if I'm right chronologically, and this is that midpoint of the, of, the rev, of the tribulation, if this is that midpoint of the tribulation, the halfway mark, the Antichrist is taking his seat on the throne. He's going to truly wage war against the saints uh, without any hindrance. He's going to claim to be the Messiah and demand worship. The mark of the beast is going to come out. And in order to get the mark of the beast, you can buy and sell. You have to worship the, the, the beast, and, and uh, those who take the mark and worship the beast, God says, cannot be forgiven. And maybe it is true that from this point on, no one will be saved. I like to think, my, my, I just, my heart has a hard time with that. And I want to say, as long as we draw breath, we can, we can turn to Christ. And I, I like to think that, that it doesn't mean no one else can be saved. But there is a, either way, this is a pivotal moment where things are moving from, from uh, a chance for people to judgment. It's moving into his judging the world. It's, he's going, this is part of the, the seven, remember the seven seals. The, no one could open the seals until the lamb who was slain came up. And, they, and he, he rejoiced because one was found. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive glory and honor and praise and power and might. I think I got them all. Uh, be, because he was slain. And it was the being slain that made him worthy to open the seals. And, and part of what he is doing, part of the bringing life and restoration to all things, is this: the, these seals must be opened. And it, the, fa- the result is it must get worse before it gets better. It, before things can be restored, they have to be cleaned. If you go out and look out to that, to, to that side of the church, you're going to say, what happened to my trees? The stumps are even gone, except for the one. The big super stump is still there, but the stumps are gone. The land is, 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 is leveled and cleared, except for where, where they've started work digging the hole for the foundation. And you can go, oh, but I miss my trees. Has to be, has to be done. You can't build the building there with the trees there, unless you are really, really green. <laughs> but the trees wouldn't survive anyway, so... Anyway, um, the, the, in order for it to get better, this must be done. But it's not easy, easily done. This is not something that's easily done. Uh, so we have uh, this, this seventh seal is a big deal. 
uh, and, and it results in this silence. And then, and then we move on into the preparation for the seven trumpets. Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and the seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came up and stood at the altar with the golden censer. Uh, so we have, I, I love the way it says, the seven angels. <laughs> I saw the seven angels uh, who stand before God. And I, and I go, the seven angels? It's like, he's saying it like we know, the, you know, those seven angels. <laughs> and, 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 and in reality, we don't. He just says, the seven, as if we're f- familiar with them. But they are significant angels. Uh, they are uh, the angels who stand before God, and they're given se- seven trumpets. And Jewish tradition gives these angels names. I'm going, okay, uh, the Bible doesn't, so I'm not going to do anything with that. Uh, but we find, we find the seven angels, and, and that's a significant number again. We have the seven, the angels that worship before God, worship before the throne. And, and they're given, and the, so they're not just any old angels. You know, they're not angel, you, you seven over there, can I get seven volunteers? It's the seven angels who worship before the throne of God. And, and uh, they're given seven trumpets. And trumpets, trumpets are hugely significant. You know, to, trumpets were, were then, you know, we don't, we, we don't, if, if you want to communicate, if you're, if, you know, trumpets, for one thing, they, they, they were for celebrations, for rejoicing, for, for, for the people, you know, marching in parades to the temple. And, you know, they, the thing about a trumpet is it makes a loud, clear sound that travels. And it communicates something to a tremendous number of people easily. You know, today we have cell phones. <laughs> today we have, you know, if you go to war, you have, you know, if you, if you look at World War II, they're on those big fat ra- uh, radios. Today we have much easier communication, better communication, and so on. But back then, they, they used trumpets to make, to inform people in battle. Even today, we're familiar with taps and reveille, right? We hear those two trumpet sounds, and we know what they mean. Well, once upon a time, they were used, there were many more sounds used to indicate t- uh, other things. They were used to communicate battle st- strategy or battle uh, development over the course of a war, of a battle. And so the commander is wherever he is, and he says, Bugles, bugler sounds this, or bugler sound that, and they would sound that, and people would know, attack left, attack right, run away, <laughs> you know, whatever it was they were supposed to do, it, because it was above the noise, it was above the battle. It could be heard by people far and wide. And, and he calls these, gives these angels seven trumpets, seven instruments to blast that will be heard and perf- make a profound impact everywhere. Uh, th- that's the significance of the trumpet. It is getting the message out there. And I believe that at this point they are symbolic of battle. Because God is waging war to take back the land that had, had, has been lost by us. You know, the world was his, created by him and for him. He gave it to man to, to have dominion over, and man quickly gave that dominion away. Right? Uh, and so God is beginning to wage war, I believe, is, is what is going on here. And then we find this angel with the censer. Another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer. And he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth. And there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. An angel with a golden censer is at the altar. So a censer is not something that we're really familiar with in in modern America unless you are... 
familiar with Catholic rites or the Orthodox Church or something like that. Or maybe like me, you've seen it in TV. Yeah, I know when I went to the Catholic Church, I don't remember these things. But you'll see, you'll see the guy walking along and he has, you know, the, something hanging off golden chains and, and there's smoke coming up out of it. And they wave it like this. They like, would like do this for funerals or something like that. That's a censer. That's a censer. It's got incense in it, and it represents the prayers of the saints, and he walks along and chanting and doing whatever. That's a censer, but it's not what the censer was like that the angel was holding, uh, because this is what a modern censer looks like. In their day, it wasn't like that. It was more like a big pan with a handle. <laughs> you know, so the angel's got the handle with this big pan full of, of incense and the prayers of the saints. And it's interesting to read this description of how it is described. He says uh, he has given much incense, right? Uh, another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer, and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar beside the throne. So he's given much. Much is a relative term. Right? If your child thinks he has much money, may not be what you consider to be much money. Right? Uh, and, uh, and, and so you go, okay, yeah, I have, I have seven pennies. <laughs> and he opens his hand and there's nickels or dimes because he hasn't got a clue. You know? And he thinks it's a lot. And you go, oh, wow, you're rich. You've got a lot. You know, maybe to John, much isn't much. But I think we can go here and say this is a God-sized much. You know, he is saying there is a lot of, of, of incense being added to, to these prayers. Uh, he is saying significant to here because there's a lot of incense. That's what he's saying. There was a lot of incense it, it being added to these prayers. And it's being offered with the prayers of the saints on the golden altar. And you go, wait a minute, saints at the altar. What is this talking about? Well, we go back to Revelation chapter 6. You know, one whole page. I flip backwards in my Bible. And I read chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? What was the prayer of the saints at the altar? Because we've only found one altar with saints, Right? And saints praying at the altar, saints crying out from under the altar, O oh Lord, how long before you avenge our blood? And so in chapter 8, when we find the incense being added to the prayers of the saints at the altar, <laughs> what, is, what is being prayed here and what is being added to the prayer? Well, it, it certainly seems to indicate that the saints at the altar are praying for vengeance, for God to judge the world. And here we are at the opening of the seventh seal is the prayers of the saints are going to be answered. And God is adding to their prayers much incense. I want to say God is incensed, but I think it's a cheap pun. Uh, but at the same time, it's, yeah, I wonder if this is kind of how the word came about. The prayers of the saints are being added to the incense and, 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 uh, and the angel censer, and this is the aroma rising before God. And, and I think it is hugely significant that... that uh, this incense is there. I think this incense is very significant. It's not something God added to make it smell nice. You know, it's not something God added so that the room would have this aroma that he really liked and it gave him a nice peaceful feeling or, you know, something like I think of incense being. Uh, incense has been symbolic of prayer at different times, but here it's being added to the prayer. And, and, and I think what it's saying is God is adding his own fuel to the fire, so to speak. 
The prayers of the saints, that's something, but God is adding much incense of his own. He has his own reasons for wanting to judge the world. He has his own offense he has taken. What did David say in Psalm 51 where he's confessing his, his sin? He says, against you, you only have I sinned and done what is wrong in your sight. And David, all sins that we have ever done are, are sins against God and are an offense against him. And God adds much incense to the prayers of the saints. And his, his judgment is in response to the martyr's prayers and, and much, much more. And, and the martyr's prayers are enough because these are martyrs who were martyred at the hands of those who, who killed them because of their faith. They weren't killed in a car wreck. They weren't killed uh, in their sleep. They were murdered because of their faith in Christ. And their pray, prayers are for judgment, and that's significant. And there's a lot of them, and that's significant. And to that, God adds the incense. And then in chapter 8, verse 5, Then the angel took, took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth. And there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. And the judgment that has been stored up in heaven is thrown to the earth. And there is thunder and lightning and earthquake, and the judgment hasn't even started yet. It hasn't even started. And we go back to that pause. I don't think God takes any pleasure in bringing judgment. But it must be done. You know, he came down from the mountain. And he said to Moses, the Lord, the Lord, the merciful and gracious, or the long-suffering and gracious, showing mercy to thousands of them that love him and obey his commandments, but bringing judgment. I can't say the verse quite right. Exodus 34. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression, transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. God wants to show mercy, but he will bring judgment. Revelation chapter 8, with the end of the, with the seventh seal, is judgment has begun. And it starts with silence. Because it's horrible. Because it's awesome, not in the way we say, oh, awesome. Awesome in the way we say it produces awe at what is going on. What God is doing is in many ways terrible, and it sounds wrong to say God is terrible, but the Bible says it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Heaven sucks in its breath, so to speak, and is silent for half an hour. God is merciful. He's gracious. He's slow to anger. He desires to show mercy and not to judge. What's the message to us? Seek his mercy. <laughs> Seek his mercy while it may be found. Seek it while it may be found, because the day is coming when he will judge. And we would be fools to wait for that day. Let's bow in prayer. Lord God, I thank you for your character, that you do not want to judge, that you want to show mercy. I thank you for your goodness and your love. 
I thank you for, for how gracious you are. And Lord, because I know you only do all things well, I thank you that the day will come when you will judge. I thank you for what lays on the other side of judgment, and I pray for each and every one of us that we will be there on the other side of judgment, rejoicing in the new heaven and the new earth you are making. I thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.